Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. I'm coming to you on a early Monday evening because the Toronto Raptors played a weird 1 p.m. start time. Not so weird, I guess. It's Martin Luther King Day, which is, uh, you know, as good a cause as any to have a holiday and celebrate and reflect. Uh, but the Raptors are not used to playing weekday afternoon games. Uh, the Toronto Raptors on Monday afternoon look like a team that is not used to playing weekday afternoon games. Uh, joining me to break that down and break down a very big Raptors week, five games since we last talked to you, Eric Kareen. Eric, how are you, buddy? Well, now that the Raptors have made my prediction of them going two and three uh, in those five games correct, I'm doing just great. It is all about you. You are in the ex- protagonist of yeah. reality. Yeah, and in exactly the manner in which I predicted, too. Is that true? There is absolutely no proof of that, no. Yeah. okay. Well, I didn't know if you had said, like, you know, they'll, oh, they'll beat the Cavs and then they'll... I, I did not. Well... That's fine. Uh, it was it was a weird week where a lot of there was a lot of positive you could take from it, and also a lot of negative, depending on which way you want to uh, come out of it. So to recap, they played in Brooklyn. They beat the Brooklyn Nets in overtime, but lost Kyle Lowry. Uh, that game should not have gone to overtime in the first place. Uh, they played three games without Kyle Lowry. It was a one point loss to the Miami Heat at home, where. You know, they maybe could have won that game. It was kind of an ugly slugfest kind of game. Uh, They beat the crap out of the Cleveland Cavaliers on Thursday night in front of a lot of NBA executives. It looked like a completely different team rolling to a 34-point win, um, having LeBron, you know, do a finger gun to his head, uh, that kind of game. Uh, One point, sorry, not a one point, a two-point loss to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Fred Van Vliet busting the spread at the the end of that one. Uh, and, And that was Saturday night in Toronto. And then they traveled to Philly on Monday. For this six-point loss, um, I don't think there's much sense at this point in going back through each individual game. Uh, people rode the high after the Cleveland game. People, you know, the, the Golden State game was weird where there was a huge low in the first half. And I think everyone kind of wore it off by the second half because it was so fun. Um, but where are you at? You know, it, it's a week where Kyle Lowry missed time, where Kyle Lowry didn't look good coming back, where, you know, at times the team looked kind of lethargic or tapped out. And at times they looked like, you know, world beaters. What, what do you make of this, of this stretch? Yeah, it's hard to, to say much definitive after they like, you know, never mind over the course of the week, over the course of almost every game, they looked like two to three to four different teams. Uh, I think that that's too many teams to be, that's too many teams to be. I, th- I think overall, I'm sort of where I was beforehand, which is this is still a really good team that uh, has a chance to make some more noise than they've made in the playoffs. And what's going to deter- what is going to determine that is the level of focus they play with. I think they, you know, it, it's you know, Golden State is the best team in basketball, and getting behind they're not the first team to get behind them by 27 points, but I think to a man, the Raptors admitted that they were like, they were jumpy in that game. Like they were jumping out at shooters so much that they were just being back cut to death and that's to death. And that's not the way they can play. So their level of focus uh, will be one thing that determines and their three point shooting will be the other thing that determines how good this team can be. Like they've, there were halves there, you know, at first, the first half against, uh, 
against Miami, the first half against Philadelphia, I think they shot six and seven three-pointers respectively uh, and hit a low percentage of them. And they're not, again, not playing the way that they believe they should be playing. So unless they can do that, you know, we've talked about the fallacy of playing 48 or 82 games a year, 48 minutes a night. But unless they can do that more often than not, they're going to be at the risk of being upset in the first round. And, and that's sort of, you know, the floor ceiling of this team. And, and I think this week reestablished that, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. It established that, you know, like two years ago, this is a team that might struggle to beat a Miami or an Indiana over seven games, and they'll be ugly doing it. And they're a team that could take two games off of Cleveland in a conference final. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not new territory. It just the stylistic things are new, and uh, but yeah. again, they we saw them get away from from those stylistic adjustments uh, twice, if not more, this week, and that's not something they can afford. Uh, you know, in a season where the process is going to be as important as the final record, uh, you don't want to see those things popping up as often as they have recently. Uh, given all that. Lots of, you know, playing Cleveland and Golden State back-to-back naturally gets your mojo going uh, and might cause you to lose focus in the next game. I don't think that's particularly commendable, or but it, it's sort of a reality. Uh, and combine that with the officiating nonsense, which we can get into if you'd like. Uh, I, would, I would not like. There's nothing I want to talk about less than officiating. Uh, yeah, so basically to sum up what I wrote on Monday morning, uh, I don't think the Raptors have a particularly legitimate gripe with the officiating. Wait, and you don't think the team that has shot a top five free throw rate for five years in a row has a gripe with the officiating? No, and I understand why they're complaining, and I think it's a good long, you know, the long game is is worth uh, is worth pursuing to an extent. But on Monday, they honestly looked like a team who thought... Uh, they were owed something, and you know, it turns out that, that game was more winnable than it might have first appeared. And uh, I'm not big on oh, they got distracted or their heads weren't in the game, but they, you know, looked distracted and like their heads weren't in the game, as if they were owed something by the officials. And that's you know, Dwayne Casey has said that repeatedly, and that's why I sort of worry about all the officiating talk. This team isn't good enough to think they're owed something. You know, do something, then you get to be owed something. If you don't like it, Eric, pitch better. Pitch better. Well, this is the thing is they always feel like they're on the the wrong end. And I'm sure that there are 30 teams and 30 fan bases and 30 head coaches in the NBA who feel like they had they get the wrong end of the officiating. If you yeah. you know you 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 look on a Golden State message board after the game Saturday night, and it was well the Raptors shot more free throws than the Warriors, even though they're worst team. And look at the free throw disparity in the third quarter when a twenty seven point game suddenly came down to right around uh, the point spread. Uh, you look at a Cleveland message board, and they think in the finals that it's a league conspiracy to have Golden State win, while Golden State thinks it's a league a league conspiracy to have Cleveland win where the other 28 teams think it's a league conspiracy to have those two teams in, and the 20 teams beneath the Raptors think it's a conspiracy to make the Canada market viable. And, like, you could just go in circles, and everyone thinks that everything is biased against them because, again, we're all the protagonists of our own reality. Um, So, you know, there's a fundamental attribution error at play here for, for every team and individual and fan base. 
we have a title for this podcast, I feel. What's that? We're the protagonists of our own story, baby. It's too long. No, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. it's just it's a thing. It's a thing people are talking about semi seriously. For sure, uh, and, I, and get, I get I get why fans get yeah. upset about it. I'm not telling anyone how to be a fan, but I think when you know when I, I wake up on a Monday, for like two days after the last game, and I'm still being inundated with referee complaints from that game, like yeah. there there are a lot more fun and useful things to talk about with this team like them not sticking to the system like the play calling at the end of the game like the health of Kyle Lowry all of these things and those are the things that I would like for us to talk about over the next 10 or 15 minutes instead of the officiating if that's okay with you it is I just uh you know it's the same reason I wrote about it this morning the conversation wasn't going away so let's address it and clap move on all right let's move on uh so I mentioned Kyle Lowry's health if there's a, you know, this was kind of the story of the, obviously the games uh, were the prominent thing, but the story of the week was that Kyle Lowry got hurt on Monday. Uh, he had a bone bruise in his tailbone and back spasms as a result of that. He missed a week. That's it. Returned uh, Monday in Philly, which, you know, anyone who knows Kyle Lowry knew was probably his, his latest possible return date if he was walking. Uh, he did not look, maybe I shouldn't prescribe this from only watching through my TV uh, without any medical information. So I won't say he looked like a guy who's still hurt. He looked like a guy who had been out for more than a week. He didn't look like Kyle Lowry. Yeah, but it, at least it was nice to see him take two charges and land on his ass multiple times after being run over by a giant man. <laughs> um, again, this is I feel the same way as you as far as I don't want to I don't, I don't have the necessary medical information to make some grand conclusion that the Raptors brought him back uh, too quickly. Like, all year long, he's looked sort of slow uh, in individual one-on-one defense situations, and he looked particularly slow in those situations, uh, be, getting beat by your friend and mine, TJ McConnell. In his defense, uh, TJ McConnell is an all-NBA talent. Yes, especially on the offensive end. Um, so, I mean, I don't know that A caused B, but, you know, this is a conversation we've had for so long about Lowry. He wants to play so badly. Uh, he was not good on Monday, despite still doing several things that almost helped the Raptors complete yet another comeback that they probably didn't deserve to complete. Uh, and how much can you and do you need to protect him from himself? Because he's not going to, you know, he's not going to step out of the whale of, of Joel M- Embiid. He's not going to stop going for rebounds in the middle of, you know, guys who are 6 to 8 to 12 inches taller than him and have, you know, 50 pounds on him. He's not going to stop playing that way. He's not effective if he does stop playing that way. So how do you measure that? Now, again, we've talked about this. The medical staff has way more data on his health than we do, and you just hope that it's being leveraged the right way. Possibly confusing the point guard situation further. Uh, Fred Van Vliet went down in Monday's game. He was in transition. He Euro-stepped Jared Bayless. Um, Joel Embiid comes with a chase-down block. Uh, there's some contact. Van Vliet falls hard. Embiid appears to fall on his right uh, on Van Vliet's leg. Uh, Van Vliet left with a right knee contusion. Now, 
Van Vliet had a really strong week. I know he's been a little, you know, his, his advanced metrics have been pretty steady. He's been a little up and down, at least on the offensive end. Uh, he had a really strong week, and, and he was, you know, outside of maybe DeMar DeRozan, the only guy who really brought it in the first three quarters of this game on Monday. Um, again, not much information beyond knee contusion, which doesn't sound too serious. Uh, but I guess we should use that to highlight uh, how the bench has played this week. Van Vliet, uh, obviously a part of that. DeLon Wright ended up with a very nice stat line uh, on Monday because he hit five of six on threes. Pascal Siakam brought some nice energy. A huge, huge week for the bench group as a fivesome. Um, Eric, are you, you know, I know we've talked about not using them as a five-man group in the playoffs, but did this week give you more confidence that those bench players individually and bench heavy units uh, will be, you know, not only playable, but possibly an advantage come playoff time? Um, you know, I'm stopping. I, I think the bench is definitely a positive for the Raptors. I don't know how that looks in the, in the postseason. I, I don't. I think we're looking at more staggering, uh, just out of necessity. It's, sorry, I, I'm not asking about a five man group. I just mean like the the bench pieces. Yeah. Are you more confident in Jakob Pertl individually, Pascal Siakam individually? Those because you know the Cavs in particular. You look at they are not getting younger and faster. For sure. Like, you could see the advantage that they brought over the Cavs. Uh, Siakam and Pirtle were pretty solid uh, all week. I thought DeLon Wright sort of struggled as uh, Lowry's replacement and then back to his normal role on Monday, and he was doing his thing. Van Vliet was awesome. I think these are good players. And the question that you're going to run into, as I alluded to at the top, is can they hit enough shots to relieve the pressure on DeRozan and Lowry when it comes. Because uh, for all of the ways that the offense has changed, uh, there's still going to be that pressure forcing that ball movement. And, you know, OG Ananobi, who's in the starting lineup, you know, is shooting 15% from deep for January. Uh, and Van Vliet's creeping up. Wright had a big game today, but, you know, uh, from three, but not you know, is up and down, certainly. Uh, and, you know, that's that's the thing that bears monitoring, I think. Uh, it's sort of reductive to just see them through that lens. But in terms of this season and in terms of what's going to matter at playoff time, you need more of those guys than not hitting their shots. Uh, and, and that's a big question with Siakam, who's a guy who you so badly want to have on the floor. Uh we saw all the, he like, you know, he tormented Cleveland and he was a huge part of getting of both of the comebacks. But, you know, late in the game, when DeMar DeRozan makes the right pass to him in the corner, he misses it. Uh, and that's, you know, not a aberration. That's what you can expect to happen. So where do they go from there? I'm not quite sure, but you know, you've got four or five or six, like really useful players on the bench and this week only uh you know re-emphasize that fact good that's good they're fun that was actually you know what maybe that was the biggest takeaway of this week if you ignore the two monday games is that the raptors even when they're playing their flawed brand of basketball are still pretty damn fun it seemed like everyone you know everyone converges on the city for the g league showcase and the Cavs visit and the warriors visit um, and between those two games, the the blowout of Cleveland, the comeback against Golden State, you know, the game Tuesday was ugly. But, you know, I saw people on Twitter who are not 
invested in either of those teams calling it the best game of the season that they've seen so far because it was this kind of old school slugfest chess match uh, and Spolstra is up drawing these unbelievable plays at the end of the game. Um, so, you know, the Raptors have at least had a fun couple of weeks. That's not, you know, that doesn't have a value in the win-loss column. It does have a value for a team that's locked into a core whose ceiling might be something below championship. Um, does that, you know, are you anywhere with that? Do you feel a sort of way about, you know, if the Raptors are going to be in the end uh, the same level of team as they were the last two years? Do, do you find value in them getting there in a more fun manner? Yeah. Well, look, um, you, you laugh, but there are like, first of all, you know, you can you can skew nihilistic. So let, let's be honest about what your expected answer here. But but two, there are some people who seem to not. And again, we're not to, we're not supposed to tell we're, we're nobody to tell anyone else how to be a fan. So, um, you know, I, I, some people don't see extra value if it doesn't result in, in a different outcome. So I think it's a reasonable question. But uh, yeah, no, I. I was just laughing from the point of view that, you know, I have to watch and you have to watch, you know, either all or pretty damn close to all 82 games. Yeah. Yeah. The, the hedging was for me, not for you. Um, you know, of course the answer is yes for both of us. It's great that they're more fun, but I think the important thing about it being quote unquote fun is that they're fun because the players are getting better in ways that are more useful to the right. way the league is trending. Uh, whether whether it is the, you know, the ability to hit three-pointers or take three-pointers, I should say, the ability to, you know, get out and run in transition, the ability to switch and cause turnovers to get out in transition. You know, like, even if the overall talent still means they're not Cleveland and they're not Golden State and they're not Houston – the, the pieces that you're invested to within are improving because you're playing this way. That's how I see well, it. Okay, so let me ask you, because this is something maybe we should have talked about. And, and let's not talk about it through the lens of can the Raptors beat them. But from what you've seen of the Cleveland Cavaliers this year, can the field beat them? You know, we, we trick ourselves into, I feel like every January we all trick ourselves into, you know, Cleveland is wounded. Cleveland is vulnerable. Cleveland won't find that other gear. Cleveland is the worst defensive playoff team I've ever seen in my lifetime. Things like that. Um, do you think it's, you know, are, are you going to talk yourself into that again this year? Could Boston or Toronto or, you know, whoever comes out of that four through eight mess? Um, are, are, is Cleveland susceptible here? Look, I'm still taking the Cavs. Over um, the entire field? They're my, uh, probably. Okay. Uh, but... You can only get so bad defensively before you actually can't just turn it on. And this Cavaliers team is going to test that. Yeah, I mean, there were a number of plays. There were a number of plays on Thursday where you and I could have scored. Well, maybe not. But, like, like transition defense where they nobody picked up a single man. Like, the Raptors were basically running 5-on-0 yeah. around five stationary guys. And, and so that's almost why I still take the Cavs. Because... That's a question. Yeah, that's a question of merely giving a crap. Do they have like the athleticism to be really good at that end? Probably not. No, but they have enough experienced pieces and enough guys 
to uh, and enough shooting to where they're not going to be running back in transition all the time and where they can give a bit of an effort. And as long as James is healthy uh, and good, which he is still <laughs> both, uh, I have trouble picking against them in the East. That team looks nowhere near Warriors ready, um, no. to say the least. God, no. You know, I, I might even take... I might take Houston in a series with them right now too. Um, and you know, you can talk me into a fully healthy San Antonio team, although that hasn't existed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Eric, uh, I've got about five minutes before I've got to go here. Uh, this is a shorter podcast than usual reason being, uh, after this, we're recording the Riverdale reasonless because Riverdale is back on Wednesday um, I'm not going to ask you about Riverdale because you don't like it. Uh, okay. I would like for you to give an endorsement, though. Um, by the way, the good place is over for the season, right? Is it? I thought so. Oh. I thought last week was a pretty tidy bow on it, but maybe I just assumed that. Uh, well, you ask my question, and you can uh, your question, and then you can research that. I don't yeah, think uh, it doesn't. Really I, didn't, I didn't like in any of the the reviews I read. Uh, it was not mentioned as a series. Finale, or the season finale uh it just felt like one anyway okay, sure that makes sense should, plus yeah. we both know the logical conclusion to the good place is yeah it was not the season finale um we we both know that the logical conclusion to that show is the jaguars winning the super bowl in a couple weeks yeah so um <laughs> uh so what i wanted to get your endorsement on and i know sorry we only talked for raptors for like 20 minutes but we're trying to fit this in a narrow window and the the monday afternoon game kind of jammed us up uh eric the end of the effing world on netflix was really really good it was so good um again not to spoil uh, we just you know alluded to the the good place uh episode from whatever day of the week that was what was it last thursday uh, and I don't want to spoil the ending of the end of the effing world other than to say it is one of the greatest closing lines uh, that I can remember uh, of a television show. I'm assuming it's a show. They could come back. Uh, I would be a proponent of them not doing that as much as I'd like to see more. Uh, but in general, uh, I thought the chemistry of the uh, two young lead actors was excellent. Uh, the, the combination of styles, uh, you know, it, it would go from comedy to something close to horror, not quite horror, but, you know, definitely like dark and violent. Thriller. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's fair to, you know, a coming of age story. It had so many things, tones that it was juggling and it made it work and was its own distinct thing. Uh, and it, it might have slowed down in the middle uh, for a sort of necessary character development reasons. Uh, but the last three episodes, and we're talking about eight episodes and just 20 minutes per, so you know it's basically shorter than going to see The Last Jedi, uh, uh, is they were just incredible. Um, it's been a while since I've been uh, that that I don't know if shook is the right word, but that you know knocked over by the end of, of something as much as I was with that show. Uh, and not to spoil that, anything, but that should be the end. Yeah, it's just such a good ending. Like I, it's you know it's on par. I don't even want to say what I'm about yeah. to say because it yeah, might give us. Yeah, because it kind of the where yeah, you're going yeah. with. 
it's just like if you if you at all uh, I don't know if I did a great job describing what what it's about. It's, <laughs> uh, it's about like two seventeen year olds who go on a road trip together. Uh, one who fears he's a psychopath, and one who has some bipolar tendencies with a lot of family issues. And uh, I think it's fair to say the cops get involved, and uh, we see how they uh, progress and. Uh, mature in front of her eyes yeah it was really really good uh strong recommend eric the detroit Pistons are here on wednesday the san antonio spurs on friday the raptors will go to minnesota on saturday uh that might be all there has been before we talk to you next because i think they're off sunday monday tuesday uh eric when we next talk to pardon they're going to atlanta for three days yeah um not a bad place to spend three days if you can yeah, it's better to be 15 degrees and to be minus 10. Yep. Anyway, some good eating. Uh, anyway, do you have a where? Where will the Raptors be when we talk next? Two and one, one and two. Uh, yeah, I'll take two and one this week. I think uh, that makes sense. And, and while we're at it, shout out to the Raptors for making Wednesday's game the uh, you can play game. Uh, which is a you can play as a foundation which uh, works on inclusiveness toward LGBTQ communities in uh, within sports uh, and they do great work and the Raptors are the first NBA team to officially uh, you know have a you can play uh, night. I know the Warriors definitely had LGBTQ. Evening when they played the Raptors earlier in the season. Yeah, I think Milwaukee has uh, had a pride but, night uh, as well. But yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, it's awesome. Glad they're doing it, and it deserves to be note uh, to note uh, in, to said aloud. Yes. We should appreciate the thing that this organization continues to do. Uh, uh, there's that. There's Messiah Jerry speaking out against uh, certain presidents. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot to be. There's a lot to feel good about uh, if you're a Raptors fan, a socially conscious Raptors fan who, who like to support um, teams and people who seem to give a crap about their place in society. It's better to root for good people than for bad people. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, you know, the Patriots are losing that AFC championship game because the Jaguars only donated to Donald Trump. (laughs) Um, Uh, speaking and, of the, the NFL, the NFL, it is tough to find. Yes. You know, there's only degrees of there's only degrees of awfulness. <laughs> there, there's there's no goodness. Speaking of the you can play night, not to promote something that's not at the Athletic Toronto, uh, but I will have a piece on that going into some of the the why the Raptors are doing this uh, on Wednesday elsewhere. So keep an eye out on my Twitter for that. Uh, keep an eye out for all of Eric's kind of mid season stuff. This week is. Uh, you know, Eric kind of touching the the halfway pole all over the place. Um, that was a weird yep. weird phrasing. We're not doing phrasing anymore. Um, yeah, the yes. old uh, report card should be up either Monday night or Tuesday morning, probably by the time you're listening. Yeah, to this, this will go up Tuesday morning. morning. Um, Eric, I gotta go, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. You have a wonderful week. I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, uh, say hi to Caitlin and Don for me. I will do that, guys. Thanks so much for listening. It's too late to be. Reasonable.